Today, on this edition of the Four City Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Parks, teaching pastor Steve Carter, and special guest Doug Thiessen conclude the series for anyone and everyone and reveal the new name of the church. We're so excited about today for a number of reasons, but as you know, you saw somebody that we haven't seen in a bit. Can you give it up for the bishop, Doug Thiessen? <laughs> Great to see you guys. Oh my goodness, it's been too long. It has been long. You know, I thought uh, just to show, you know, go down memory lane a little bit, I think we, we dug up a few pictures. You guys want to see a few pictures? Uh, this is scary. Show us some pictures. Look at this. There you are. You're back there rocking that. You were doing it just a minute ago, playing with us. There Let's see. Here, what's the next slide we have here? Here's some other down memory lane. There's a random, remember Random Axe? How many random of y'all remember Axe. Random Axe? We got some Random Axe, yeah? Um, what's the next one? There oh, he is. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Nice tan. I didn't. I didn't, my forehead wasn't as big then. I... <laughs> All right, go to the next one. Oh, there we go. That's, that was uh... the most exciting two minutes in Heartland history. Why, why was that? That, what... was, that was a song called A Screen Door on a Submarine, and uh, it was a cappella, and we had this little choreography thing with cups that we were doing while we were singing that. It was so much fun. It was a ton of work for two minutes, but it was the most exciting two minutes in Heartland history, right The most there. exciting two minutes. We're gonna have to see if we can top that. Um, oh, there you are, look at that, looking good what, with the, the scarf. scarf thing going? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good, okay, next one, what else we got? Oh, well, there Working you the are. phones. What are you guys doing there, what is that? Um, it's the NFL draft, I think. I think so, yeah. It looks like the NFL so draft. draft. We were on the phone. We were on the clock with Eric Parks, <laughs> trying to get him to come. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, look at that. Outdoor baptism. Look at the guy. Look at the guy in the red shirt, though. The red shirt up there in the corner on the left. Eric Parks. I somehow snuck into the pool. Yeah. yeah. I was like, who is that? All right. What, what's He's got the, the little I think, soul patch going I did have there. a little yeah, soul that patch. Awesome. Uh, yeah. That's a, again. Um, uh, and then, do we have, is this the last slide? This, this was our trip down memory lane? Oh, yeah, that's a there good one. That's a good one. Oh, man. You know, we were, um, we were so excited that we could sit and have a conversation uh, with you and with us as family. Um, you know, Doug and I and Steve got to be together probably four weeks ago, and we had a few of these conversations. But I, I wondered if you would just go back in time, 1998 or so, um, tell us, like from the beginning, why is it that you guys, you and Cindy, Mark and Sherry, decided like this idea needed to happen? Tell us yeah. a little story. Well, Mark and Sherry and I, uh, we, we became friends shortly after Mark gave his life to Jesus. I met him like just a couple weeks after he gave his heart to Jesus, and he was on fire. He was sharing his faith with all of his friends, and we had a deal going. I was on staff at First Evangelical Free Church, and uh, I had just arrived, so I was brand new there too. So we're looking to make new friends and everything. Mark shows up, and we had this deal. He said, listen, I'm sharing my faith with my friends, but when I get him right to the point of, you know, them committing their lives to follow Jesus. Could I bring them in and have you kind of close the deal? Because I don't want to mess that part up. So, and so he would call me up. He'd say, hey, Doug, I got one ready. I said, bring him in, you know, and we'd sit down and we'd talk. And, um, you know, along the way, um, I'm, we're, they, we were just making friends, inviting our friends and everything. 
But then after a season, we saw our friends starting to drift away. And for, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to throw shade or anything, you know, because there, there's so many great churches in the city and everything. But for, for whatever reason, there was just, it was just kind of lethargic and a little, you know, just boredom setting in. People saying, I got better things to do on a Sunday than come to church. And Mark and Sherry and Cindy and I went to um, Tumbleweeds. We had dinner at Tumbleweeds. I drove by it. You know, it's just Tumbleweeds blowing in the parking lot now. That's yeah, right. It's, That's right. Um, but we were talking about what can we do? How can we make a difference? And so we, we were in love with what was happening at Willow Creek Community Church. The, the DNA, their heart to reach people, their heart for Jesus. Um, and we were so captivated by that. How could we bring that to Rockford? So we took a couple swings at it, and ultimately it led to Heartland Community Church. And it was all born out of our desire to in, just to reignite faith in our friends. We, had, we saw so many of them drifting. We said, come on, come on. We, we can, and so we pulled the, I pulled the VCR out of my family room. How many room of you know what a VCR is? Yeah, I mean, you know, some of you are like, you remember what's a tapes? VCR? You've what's got that? them all stored away somewhere, I know. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, some that you didn't return to Blockbuster, too, I know. So, um, but, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the music, honestly, was... Not very good. I mean, we, yeah, we, but the teaching just, the teaching was extraordinary. I mean, it was practical. It gave us practical handholds to our faith. We walked away every Sunday saying, well, I can do something with this. I can take this next step. And, and we saw people's lives just being ignited. And uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. What's, what's incredible is when I hear the stories of how this amazing church began, it began with a Bible, a VHS tape, and a whole bunch of people who were just hungry to see Christ made known in their city. And, and it's just amazing to see the ripple effects. We went and hung out with you, and you are in Nashville at a church that is a campus of an amazing, amazing, amazing congregation. And they're basically doing the model that you and Mark and Sherry and Cindy like, and this community really burst here in Rockford in the late 90s. I know. It's like 1998. I mean, nobody's doing now with now a big thing in churches. It's called multi-site church where, you know, churches have several campuses and, um, but nobody was doing it. Nobody, I mean, as a matter of fact, we were using teaching from Bill Hybels and John Orberg, and they were both kind of scratching their heads saying, do you really think anybody's going to show up and watch <laughs> us on video? Really? And, uh, and we found out that video delivery didn't make a difference, that people, that the message was so impactful that show it to me on video or stand there in person and deliver it, but whatever. I mean, God just got a hold of people's hearts and lives were transformed and it just started exploding. And then, yes, yes. And that's a bunch of our stories, right? Like a bunch of, mine too. You know, you saw me in the pool, mine too. Like where what you guys decided to do, which was unconventional, um, which honestly people thought you were crazy, um, said it wouldn't work, uh, it has had an impact beyond Rockford. I think sometimes we gather in this space and we don't realize the impact that uh, this place has had because we were willing to step out in faith into unknown, right? Move 
kind of walk a little bit off a cliff because nobody, nobody, nobody was doing that. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, I mean, what other churches have done, I mean, there's a church called Life Church that came to see what was happening in Heartland because their pastor, they had just acquired another campus and their pastor was going back and forth on Sunday morning, like preaching seven times, just driving back and forth. Uh, and, and they said, okay, he's young and he can do this now, but he can't do this forever. Now that young man, Craig Rochelle and Life Church is like 100,000 people meeting in 30 plus locations all around the country, all using videotape, delivery of Craig's messages. And yeah. here's, here's what, like, as I've watched, um, here's what was at the core of all this, because I got to step in in the early days, was we were always keeping the main thing the main thing, right? It really even wasn't about the videos. It wasn't about the tape. It was we kept the main things the main things. As a matter of fact, the, the thing that captured us most about this, the teaching that we were experiencing was that it always came back to Jesus. It always came back to Jesus. And, um, you know, our worship wasn't very good, but it was heartfelt. I mean, we just came and we poured out our hearts and we worshiped and we learned together and then we got in community together. We got in small groups together and we talked about the message, you know, and just developed community together. And that was kind of it. That's all we did as a church. I mean, I was kind of the pastor of no for a while because <laughs> people would say, hey, this is really great, but could we do it? No. And uh, people had a lot of good ideas coming, you know, to Heartland, but it, it was just, no, this is what we do. We worship together, we learn together, and then we talk about it and apply it to our lives. That's what we do. You know, what I appreciate um, about what I've learned underneath your leadership um, is just that. It's like, hey, keep the main thing the main thing. And there's a bunch of things that can change, that can move, that can shift, and probably should, but we keep the main things the main things. And the thing, I mean, you guys used to change service times just for fun, I think, to pe keep people on there. Remember that? It was like you'd come to church and you'd be like, wait, wait what just happened? We thought yeah. there was a service now. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was, and, and it was all just, you know, to accommodate growth at the time in different space and, you know, and everything. But, oh, yeah, we were, as a matter of fact, we, we never posted service times on a sign because we learned that once. We put them on a sign, and like four weeks later, we said, we got to change the service times. We said, well, we just spent all that money on the sign, you know, and we're going, sorry, you know, somehow we got to paint over the sign or whatever. Well, I think... Um we have a few more things to talk about, but um, I, wanted to, I wanted you as a church to know that in that spirit, we find ourselves in a spot where we're in the midst of change, right, as a church. And Doug has been, I can't tell you how often his texts have come to me at the perfect time, like a text where I would get from him and feeling super low or super discouraged and he would say things that, um, or a phone call, that helped me know, hey, keep, keep doing this, keep going. And um, I wanted you to know that we've been in a, as you know, a lot of you have been showing up more and more. Some of you, this is like your first time back, um, but a lot of you have been journeying with us. And it's become pretty clear to us that as we move toward what's next for us, that one of the things that um, we believed was gonna be part of our change was, um, the name of this church. And so, as of today, at noon, Heartland will become Forest City Church. That will be our new name. Now, now let me address this. Some of you are like, what have you done, young man? So, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to talk about this because I think 
It's really important. The first person I called, the very first person I called, it was probably seven months ago, to ask was him. I called Doug and I said, hey, God's up to something new. I know what we're about. Um, I, I know this place, but God's up to something new. And, and I think there, there might need to be a name that is reflective of this next chapter. Is that okay? Will you let me do that? <laughs> and Doug was so encouraging about uh, that. And I wondered, you know, the both of you, as you think about change, because this can be really hard. Like we're, we come to love this name and, and change can be so hard. Is there thoughts that you guys have about like, how we navigate that. Yeah. Well, first of all, you need to know, uh, Heartland, we kind of slid in the back door to the name Heartland. Uh, Mark and I, as we were, you know, we had a core group of people that we were launching the church with, but there was another group of people meeting as Heartland Community Church who were also fans of Willow Creek Community Church and following that same model. And we said, hey, would you like to join us? We'll just take the name Heartland and we'll keep going with that, you know? And so, it wasn't a real strategic decision, just so that you know. All right, we, we just kind of said, we'll call whatever, you know, just we, we knew what we wanted to do. The, the, the important thing was what we were doing and, and how we were doing it, you know, just the innovative, you know, we knew that we needed to bring freshness to this to capture the hearts and to capture the imaginations and to reignite faith in, in people's lives. And for, uh, well, one of the things I remember, I, first of all, I told Eric, absolutely, you have my blessing. I mean, you please, if that's what you're looking for, you've got it. I mean, because one of the things we realized when we started Heartland in 1998 was that this was so new and so fresh. Um, you know, Jesus taught about, you know, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Um, you have to have a fresh wineskin. You have to have a fresh container. Some things, like Eric said, some things are written in ink and will never change. The, the, the word of God is our authority, and that, that never changes. That's written in ink. We have a statement of faith here that, that will not change because these are truths that we hold on to and we sink our roots deep into those truths. But then how we go about doing ministry has to change. Five years ago, when, when I uh, left to, to move to Nashville, um, one of the things I said to you was, hey, look around and you'll, and you'll see that there are a lot of people that look like, you know, our age, my age. And I said, that's because when Mark and Sherry and Cindy and I, when we set out to start the church, we designed a church and designed ministries to reach our friends and look around. I think we did a pretty good job, you know? There were a lot of people in the room that looked our vintage, you know? And, um, and I also said, but the next generation needs a new container. It needs a reset. It needs a fresh look at ministry. If it's going to reach the next generation, it has to look different. But one of the things that makes change difficult for us is the songs we sang, the way we did church, the way we, you know, uh, the way we talked about ministry and those kinds of things, that's what impacted our lives. I mean, our faith came alive with th that music and with that style of worship and with that kind of teaching and with those uh, voices and, and, and that sort of thing. And so when, whenever we have to think, okay, now it's time for us to, to slip into a different role. And, um, and, and in, instead of 
you know, being the one where the ministry is focused too, rather we become the encouragers, the cheerleaders for this next generation to, to step up and to come along and, and with new freshness and new energy and different songs and different language and different styles reach their generation. And it's not gonna necessarily speak to us because that wasn't our generation and everything, but it will reach the next generation. And that's, you know, that's what's most important. One, one of the things that I've become so enamored by um, the bishop um, is his humility. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lost art in our day. Uh, but when you get around this man and you get around his wife and you just get around people who've been around him, um, they, they just remark about just the humility and keeping the main thing the main thing and how like his life is just this compass that just keeps pointing people towards Jesus. And, and I just want you to know, you've got the Forest City Worship shirt on. We'll leave that keyboard on the right stage. Right so anytime there. you want to come back, you, you are an honorary member of Forest City Worship, <laughs> man. <laughs> Professor Emeritus. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I'll tell you this. I think it's a great question, Eric, which is what you asked. And um, a number of years ago, I had the privilege to be in uh, the room this amazing leader, her name is uh, Carly Fiorina. She uh, formerly used to be at HP. I think in 2016, she ran for uh, president. And um, I don't know how I got into this room with her, um, but I'm there. And at the end of her like presentation, she said, hey, does anybody have any questions? And there's a lot of people who are wildly smarter than me in that room, but nobody raised their hand. So I thought, I got a question. And I just raised, she looked at me, she goes, yeah. And I said, um, when there's change, Whenever there's change in the business world, the political sphere, even in the local church, like, what, what should every significant leader, like, think about when they are facing change? And she just kind of chuckled. She said one of the wisest things I've ever heard. She looked in and she said, it doesn't matter how spiritually deep, emotionally intelligent, it doesn't matter the degrees that some person or some executive team or congregation or consumer has. The first human question whenever change is brought forth is simply this. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for me? And probably some of you are sitting here right now going, wait, 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 what, what does this mean for me? Like, I, I, I was brought up in Heartland. What does this mean for me? Like, I, I remember singing those songs. I remember random acts. I remember going out to Mississippi. I remember, what does this mean for me? And then all of a sudden, this is often where the enemy begins to work, is simply, okay, okay, what's then going to change? What's going to change? And you so beautifully, when we were together in Nashville, articulated, and you said it just a, just a second ago again, in the statements and the power of the Bible, and keeping the main thing, the main thing, this has always been about pointing people to Jesus, and I need you to know that. It will always be about pointing people to Jesus. And, and I'm so excited, but this is, this is what we can never forget. So there, there might be a different sound at times. There might be different style of preaching. It might be live and not so much on tape. It, it, it might, but again, the heartbeat. The, the, the desire, it's 
It's the same, same thing. I don't know, Eric, what you'd say to that. Well, and I'd say this. What does it mean for you? Well, come with us. Yes. It, come with us. Good. Like, I know some of you may say, well, I'm not in that next generation, but do you realize that if it weren't for an older generation that were willing to sacrifice, I would not be here. Good. I wouldn't be here. So come with us. We are going to reach all generations. We are going to be a church that looks like Rockford. That's what we are going to do. And I'm asking, will you come with us? And, and this is what's exciting is God is up to something. It's, it blows my mind because inside of COVID, all of this probably shouldn't be very possible. But God has been doing stuff here in Rockford. And as you know, I announced, we're going to be known as Forest City Church. But one thing, a little caveat, this is the Rockford campus. And you say, well, why would you announce a Rockford campus? That's because in COVID, there's been a group of about 60 to 70 people in Elgin who've been tracking along with us. And they've started to meet together, and we were actually with them yesterday. And so, Steve, why don't you tell um, all of our friends what's going to be happening in Elgin this fall? Yeah, it's it's incredible story because uh, something that I didn't see happening, um, I know Eric didn't come here seeing that happen, and all of a sudden there was just a group of people who just started saying, hey, we love what is stirring uh, here. We'd love to see that in Elgin and in the northwest suburbs, and so um, I want you to know that starting in mid-September, we won't just be Forest City Rockford. We will also be Forest City Elgin, and there's going to be excitement with that. Um, there is there is incredible energy, some amazing families that just share this DNA, and um, I just feel like, guys, we're just getting started. And um, I love the idea of Forest City because even as we, that's what Rockford's known as. So it's a little bit of a, a shout out to our roots. But then also, um, this is a chance for us to continue being rooted, tied together to go out and serve not just Rockford, not just Elgin, but who knows where God takes the Forest City movement towards. Can you help me? I mean, I'm so honored that um, Doug and Cindy would come and uh, spend some time with, with us. Can you help me think Doug and Cindy for being here with us. Well, um, in our remaining time together, um, I want to just open up God's word. And Oftentimes when you hear a little bit about a name change, um, ever since I started hearing about this, um, usually my first posture is to, to look at the scriptures because uh, the Bible has so much to teach us. And, and what's amazing is that whenever God would do something, people would respond. And they'd often respond by naming a city of where God just made his presence known. I, I remember one time where, where Jacob just had found himself in this dream and he just said, God was in this place and I did not know. And so what did he name it? He named it Bethel, House of God. Uh, sometimes when they'd see God do something so incredible, like crossing over the Red Sea and being rescued from oppression and slavery, they get to the other side and they're finally free. And what ends up happening? They write the first worship song found in scripture. 
Because when you see God move and you see God stir, something just begins to spring up out of you. And sometimes they didn't know what to do, but they would just take massive rocks and they literally would set up these rocks. And in Hebrew, it was this word masavot, which literally meant what happened here. So when a father would be walking with his kids or a mother would be walking with their, their kids or a rabbi walking with their Talmudim disciples, the disciples of the children would see the rocks and say, masavot, what happened here? And they would tell the story. But there was another way in which God would showcase that he was up to something new when he would change a name. And what I want to do just in just a matter of a few moments is I want to look into God's word and I want to teach you five different stories and what the name change meant. So if you have a Bible, we'll start in Genesis. We'll work our way through Revelation. We'll be home by Monday. But Genesis 17 begins with this. When Abram was 99 years old, Love that. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Look what Abram's response to the God Almighty. Verse 3, Abram fell down. And Abram in Hebrew literally means father of Aram. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, father of Aram. Your name now will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. So just in this moment, it was almost as if God was lifting up Abraham to help him see, no, no, this is the dream I have for you. You think it's just right here, but I'm telling you, even though you're 99, I'm not done with you yet. And you're 99 and you don't even have a son, but I'm just getting started. His wife's name was Sarai. Sarai literally means in Hebrew, my princess. And this is the desire of Sarai's heart was to have a child, but she couldn't. For some apparent reason, it just wasn't happening. And many of you know this. My mom uh, went through six miscarriages. You can feel the desire of someone's heart. And then there was this moment, even in her old age, where God began to say, I'm going to meet the desires of your heart because I got a plan that's bigger, a story that's bigger. And he changes her name from Sarai to Sarah. It goes from my princess to the princess. And it's literally like, you are going to be this princess. Through you, there is going to be a lineage that comes. And through this lineage, literally the prince of peace is going to come. I'm just telling you what, friends, for some of you, you might be thinking, man, my best days were years ago. Maybe you feel so stuck in your dreams. Maybe you're just like, is this all that there is to offer? I'm here to tell you that God is a God that will lift your head and let you see where he wants to take you. A God who actually wants to meet the desires of your heart. The third story is about a man named Jacob. And anytime we see that Jacob is asked the simple question, what is your name? You know what he says? He lies. He pretends. He tries to be somebody that God didn't create and intend and make him to be. And I imagine for some of us, we know exactly what that's like. 
We've had moments where somebody has asked us to be somebody. Maybe we've been told, hey, if you just do it like this, you'll be accepted. But you've kind of just pushed down the person, the man, the woman, the spirit, the gifting, the calling that God has put on your life. You just kind of put that to the side. And so one night, Jacob, and then there's some family estrangement. He and his brother have not talked in years, and he's on the way to go meet with his brother, and he finds himself kind of just sleepless, and in the middle of the night finds himself in a literal wrestling match. And he is so stubborn, he is so determined, he will not let go of this angel that's wrestling with him. And finally, the angel just looks at Jacob and goes, what is your name? And the first time in scripture, Jacob responds with his literal name. My name's Jacob. And the angel goes, no, it's not. Your name is Israel, which means that you have struggled with God and you have struggled with humans. You have struggled with yourself and have overcome. I think for some of you today, you've been struggling. For some of you, you've been wrestling with doubts. You've been wrestling with your story. You've been wrestling with pain. You have been wrestling with your identity. You have been wrestling with who God's made you to be. And for some of you, you've just been trying to be what everybody else thinks you should be. But maybe today is the day where you simply say, no, no, here's my name. And maybe you might just hear the Spirit of God whisper a new name. A new name. Fourth, fourth story. This is amazing because Jesus was this amazing rabbi. And, and, and this, this rabbi, to be a great rabbi, meant you wanted to disrupt the tradition. You wanted to disrupt the perspective. You wanted to push your Talmudim, your disciples, into a place of such uncertainty where they only could rely on the Lord. See, oftentimes we just want control instead of just resting in God's control. And what's so beautiful is in this amazing commencement graduation ceremony, this rabbi Jesus takes his high school disciples on a journey 17 miles from J-Town, Jerusalem, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And here's what you need to know. No Jewish boy went to Caesarea Philippi. That was good, cornbread. <laughs> Everything is better when you got cornbread behind you. Now here's what you need to know, is when you've got... This moment where, where Jesus is taking his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, you got to know that once every two years, 250,000 people from the ancient Near East would come. And at the face of this massive rock, there was this opening where water went in. They called it the gates to the underworld, the gates of Hades. They believed that that was the entrance to literal hell. And 250,000 people would come together and what they would try and do is they would try to appease the gods and so they would dance, they would scream, they would cut, they would perform such sexual acts that would just literally blow your mind and be like, this is not exactly what God intended. And yet Jesus takes his disciples there, obviously not when the thing's going down, but he takes them there and they're overlooking and as they're going, 
as they're walking up to this city, Jesus goes, hey, who do people say I am? And all the disciples are simply going, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you're John the Baptist. Some people say, like, you're an Old Testament prophet. And people, people are trying to figure out who you are. And then Jesus says something. He looks at Simon, and he points at him, and he's like, no, 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 but what about you? Who do you say I am? And in Matthew 16, Simon's response is, you are the Messiah, which literally means the Christ or the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in this moment, you can almost probably just imagine this rabbi Jesus going, he gets it. He gets it. And then in Matthew 16, Jesus says these words that in my opinion have become grossly misinterpreted. But Jesus says this, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you now that you are Peter. And Peter is the word Cephas, and Cephas literally means rock or rocky. And so he goes, and I tell you that you are now Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, oftentimes we were like, oh, the church has been put on top of Peter, and we've seen traditions basically celebrate this story, but that's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying, and this rock were many, many, many hundreds of thousands of people would come to celebrate false gods and pagan idols. In the midst of here, he's like, Peter, I want you to go build my church there. And on this rock, on you, on the truth of what I've given you and taught you, the gates of Hades will not overcome. And here's what I need you to know, is some of us, we've just been living the safest lives possible. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 here's the truth. I want us to be in culture. I want us to be light in a dark world. I want us to showcase beauty and brokenness. I want us to make and create the more beautiful and good things there. And friends, maybe for some of you today, you're looking at your life and you don't know your neighbors. Anything that's difficult or anything that's a little bit tension filled you've just removed yourself from and maybe maybe just maybe Jesus is inviting you to say no 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 on this rock I'm going to build my church and I want to use you and I've literally given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven last story acts 13 there's this guy named Saul Saul's a murderer but Saul's encountered Jesus and Saul can't seem to shake the fact of what he's done and so on one of his like first mission trips, he comes in contact with a proconsul, which is some government official leader, kind of a big deal. His name is Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus has this guy beside him who's like some kind of Jewish sorcerer, mediator, and literally Saul just walks up to him and calls him out. I mean, Saul just challenges him, calls him out. Sergius Paulus is so blown away by this that he literally gives his life to Christ. And from then on, Acts 13 on, Saul becomes Paul. Saul takes on the name of his first convert, the first person he led to Christ. What name would that be for you? 
Who is the first person that you had the privilege to share the story, the good news, the gospel of Jesus with, so much so that they actually walked away from their struggle, their pain, their sin, and said yes to freedom. You know what my name would be? My name would be Joel. That was my father's name. On my 19th birthday, first person I led to Jesus was my dad. Got the chance to baptize him. Just think about this for a second. I meet too many Christ followers who have the most amazing story of what God has rescued them from, but somehow they have not yet felt empowered to go tell that story, share that story, experience God at work in them. And I'm telling you what, friends, in the days to come in Forest City Church, I hope and pray that some of you might take and think, maybe God might give me a new name a name of people that I've been able to invite and introduce. And I think every time Saul heard someone call him Paul, he was reminded, I can't believe God would use me. And every time I hear the name Joel, I hear Joel sing. I think of my dad. Every time I hear that word, I think of my dad. I'm like, how did God let me and use me in the relationship of my dad. My dad passes, but I know he's in heaven. I know he's watching down. And I know if I wouldn't have actually participated with him, who knows where he just might be. And some of you here today, you just feel stuck. Some of you here today, you feel your desires are unmet and it's creating frustration and angst. Some of you, you have just been wrestling, wrestling, wrestling like Jacob. Some of you just feel like, I don't think God's ever gonna use me. And some of you have not even had the chance to share your story. But can I just tell you, the word that I've just become and literally brought me to my knees this week was the word former. Former. I submitted a manuscript for a book and I got it back and they're going through it and they do this little bio on you and on the bio on it, it said, former lead teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church. Almost as if like your best days are back there. And I looked at that and I was like, <laughs> those are amazing days. It's like an alma mater. I love my alma mater. But truth be told, that doesn't define who I am. I, I go on the NFL draft. I'm watching it. And people are like, well, former NFL tight end, former this, former this. I feel like too many Christ followers are living in the former days and they're not seeking the Lord. I mean, when you read the book of Psalms, you know what it says? Give me a new song. We're singing old songs, church. And I think there comes a moment where you find yourself going, I believe in a God that wants to do a new thing with a new song, with a new name, and God actually wants to do it through people that are broken and beautiful like you and me. And the question is, will you let him? And I guarantee you, there's some of you probably like resistance, like you should say this, you're a pastor. Like you probably, you, you, let me just tell you this beautiful thing of the gospel is that even though we were broken and fractured and left to die, Jesus came. Before you even wanted it, he came for you. Even when you pushed it away, he came for you. 
Even when you doubted it, he wanted you. Even when you wondered, could there ever be anything good in my life? He chased after you. And the only thing that you have to do is literally open up your hands and surrender and actually choose to believe that a God who created everything created you and wants to use you. And the truth is, you heard Doug say it. And I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe it, that this is about Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the only one that can change you. I love this worship team. They are as good as I've ever seen. But their hearts are to point you to Jesus. Carrington can't change you. Jesus can. Eric Parks can't change you. Jesus can. Doug Teeson can't change you. Jesus can. And I just think when we're launching and beginning Forest City Church, and I'm going so over, but I don't care. I believe this. We are launching a new name, and I just believe that right here, right now, that there are some of you who need to receive Jesus. You've looked at what your life has been. You've tasted the struggle. And there's just a moment right now where you're like, I need a new name. I need a new name. And you know what the name that God wants to give you is son or daughter. You know what the name that God wants to give you is beloved. You know what the name that God wants to give you is saved. You know what the name that God wants to give you? Saint. You know what the name that God wants to give you? He wants to give you a new name, a new vision, a new calling. The question is, will you let him? And all we get to do is either choose to step in and receive that or push it away push it away. And so here's what I just would love to do. If you want to join us in making this about Jesus, and you find yourself in a place of whether, man, I just drifted, and we all drift. I've drifted from my calling. I've just drifted. I've allowed anger and frustration. I've allowed my life to be just kind of defined by the former things. Maybe you just feel the sense and the stirring that God wants to do a new thing in you. And you just need to say, I just need to receive his grace, whether for the first time, or I just need to receive his grace and his promise over my life for a second or a third or a fifth or a hundredth time. I just want to invite you wherever you are in this room to be a tree to be a forest of us that's saying, no, this is who we want to be, what we need to be. If we're actually going to be Forest City Church, we need to be people who surrender with hands, hearts, minds open. If that's you, I just want to invite you to stand up right now. Stand up if that's you and you're going, man, God, I just need to make this about Jesus. I need to make this about Jesus. I need this in my life. I need this. No more of that. No more being defined by that. I'm telling you what, church, there is a promise that is going to be sung under over you right now. And I'll tell you, ever since I heard this song, this song has been the anthem in my mind. I have not told this to anybody, but it has been my anthem of what Four City Church is all about. It's about having a life anchored in Jesus. It's about never forgetting the promises. And I'm telling you what, I'm going to pray this song, and I'm going to pray this over you, and then you're going to hear this song. And some of you know this song, and you're going to sing this song. But make this song the anthem of Forest City Church. Make this song the anthem of your heart. Make this song a declaration between you and God, we and God, that we will be about Jesus.
Jesus. And so God, I just pray. I pray for my friends right now who just need a new name. You give it. For desires unmet. For people who are just head down, stuck in their own story. Lift our heads. Let us see the kingdom vision. Meet the desires of our heart. For those of us who are wrestling in our pain and our struggle, may we become overcomers because of what the death, the burial, the resurrection represented. God, let us feel the keys that you've given to us in the kingdom of heaven. Let us charge the gates of hell and point people to what you and you alone are about. Peace and freedom and love and grace. And I pray every single person in this room who calls Forest City Church home would have the chance the opportunity, the divine privilege to not just know your name, but be able to share your name and lead someone to receive your name. And God, for those of us who just need a next step or a fresh start, may we receive your grace. You freed us from our sins. You allow us to walk in you. So I pray that we hear these promises and we live a life that's anchored in you this day and forevermore. And all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to lead pastor Eric Parks, teaching pastor Steve Carter, and special guest Doug Teeson with part four of For Anyone and Everyone. You can watch the online version of the message by going to forestcitychurch.com and clicking on the watch page or go to youtube.com slash forestcitychurch. Thanks for listening. 